to my podcast friends, Mike Springston FFC Podcast and the Family Fellowship Chapel um, Sunday Night Bible Study is on the air. We're glad to have you from both um, media outlets. Tonight we're doing part two of Grace and Truth. Tonight we're going to deal with Applied Grace. So we want to welcome in all of those of you from around the country and those of you that are joining us internationally into our podcast and all those of you that are coming on board with us uh, through Facebook. We want to remind you that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org or through Family Fellowship Chapel's Direct Messaging. I want to remind you about my book available on Amazon, I Surrender, or in your local bookstores. Also, want to remind those of you that are joining us particularly through the podcast, if you have a desire to uh, uh, help us in ministry through giving, you can do so through Podbean or through going to ffcma.org where we have a giving tab, and your gift would be appreciated. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started with tonight's teaching. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the word of God says to us. Then let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us directly. From the throne room of God, through the Holy Spirit, show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We'll receive it, release it, and reveal it to your people. And we'll be blessed, changed, corrected, uplifted, and brought into the depths of a greater relationship with you. We ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Tonight, as I mentioned, we're going to look into applied grace because we now understand how grace and truth are paired from part one of our message entitled Grace and Truth, and we're talking about the second part of the triangle of love. The first part was blood, the second part is grace, and maybe next week we'll get on to the third part of faith. Now, uh, we need to know that grace is applied. We need to know what it can be applied to. We need to know when it is applied, what is really being applied. And we need to remember that the blood came from Jesus. Faith, according to Hebrews 12 and 2, also came from Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. So without question, grace according to John 1, 17, came from Jesus Christ. Now watch this, because as we go through this, this is going to unclutter your mind concerning what grace does when it is applied appropriately. Grace applied through the blood will save you. We know that, Ephesians 2 and 8. Grace applied through the blood will allow one to die to his fleshly desires. We know that, according to Galatians 2, 20. Grace applied appropriately would destroy the sin nature. We know that because Jesus came out of the tomb, defeating death, hell, and the grave, was robed in righteousness, and we have the plan of salvation and deliverance to account 
for us being delivered from our sin nature. Now truth, or the divine side of Jesus Christ that we know as the man in the Godhead bodily, searches the heart. According to Romans 8, 27, and he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the, the saints according to the will of God. Because of truth, we have a searcher who is Jesus Christ. He identifies the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He does this as the man in the Godhead bodily. He knows exactly how and to what he has been applied. Now once knowing what has been applied, he cannot deny the work of grace, nor can he deny the justice of truth as to whether the work of grace has accomplished what it was set forth to accomplish. He knows precisely the effects of grace. He also knows so well that he cannot deny his own work. And how come that is? Because truth, all justice, always prevails in the economy of God. He cannot mistake truth. He identifies it from his divine side. He knows purity and he knows peculiarity. Now, how does he do this? Because truth exposes them. He also knows those that are unpeculiar and impure. How does he do that? Because truth exposes them. His grace will never work independently. It will always be accompanied by the divine, his divine sidekick, if you will, truth. So is grace the covering that our doctrinal system of beliefs gives us to where it just covers everything and we have a free pass to live life in front of God, in the eyes of God, any old way we want? Or is grace the application of Jesus Christ himself in fullness as he came to be the revealer of grace to us? Well, my friends, grace is an application. So how does he determine whether grace has accomplished its intended work of cleansing, purging, and refining, which would make someone manufactured by Christ Jesus under good works and becoming a zealous, peculiar person? He uses the divine side, of course, to reveal justice. What must we do? We must lay aside sin we must serve him with obedience. We must not hold back part of ourselves from him and trust that grace will overcome any of our rebellious demeanors. Then we were determined to make grace over the course of our doctrinal uh, misjudgments filter into eternal security. The outcome of viewing grace in this way has caused those who believed upon that, to live very shallow lives, uh, unstable lives, because they live steeped in a world of sin while they call themselves Christians, but they look, act, talk, and think more like the world than they ever have like Christ. Our world seemed to embrace many so-called converts while the world and the converts seemed to spiral well out of spiritual control. Our church is developing what they perceived to be the Great Commission uh, began to go into a general decline. But the statistics told us in times past that we were still a Christian evangelical 
nation, or so they said. 17% of those 13 to 29 today are identifying as an evangelical. 33% from the 30 to 49 range, 29% from the 50 to 64 range, and 20% from 65 and above. These numbers reflect those who declare their belief as an evangelical. Why? Why? The generational data on this is much less. Why? Because we've had a messaging problem with the gospel, to say the least. The method of evangelism has been lacking. The means of expressing the truth concerning the messaging of Jesus Christ of which we were to continue has fallen into the hands of doctrines that have brought despite to the spirit of grace. I had a fellow say to me not long ago, you know we need to do something about garnering more young people in the church. We need to stop acting like we're in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and we need to bring the gospel in to this day. Well, what are they saying? The gospel needs to change to accommodate the sin and the rebellious and the stubborn nature of people. That's what's being said. Not that the gospel of grace was designed in Jesus Christ to completely transform a man out of darkness into the spirit, into the kingdom of his dear son. No, not that. Certainly not that. No, we would take on the world and as if we were to cover up the message of the gospel that would say that there has to be blood applied, that we have to understand that grace is not a hall pass to sin, and that truth is going to be married with grace in such a way that it's going to determine the effectiveness of whether grace has done its job in your life. But you see, in our world, now because of our methodologies of evangelism and our misrepresentation of grace, and people are now saying, I don't have to be an evangelical. I can serve any one of any kind of gods because we have been told by some mega preachers and on our television talk shows that there are many ways to God. So I can go through some love that I perceive, some truth that I determine and get myself into God. Well, that leaves the church with two options. Either change the message to accommodate the lie or to hold fast the word of truth. Now, let me tell you what the word of God says. The word of God says that in the end there will be a remnant. There will be a remnant of people who have held fast the truth of God's word. Now, the expression of the truth concerning the message of Jesus Christ of which we were to continue has fallen into the hands of doctrines that have brought despite to the spirit of grace. So what should our messaging be? Well, my friend, that sounds like a pretty good question. Just this week, as I mentioned this morning, the mega preacher stood on television and said, if I did it, God will forgive me, so forth and so on. Applied grace, the fundamental truth is, is that applied grace that's triggered by the covering of the blood will in fact operate in forgiveness. But the flippant statement concerning grace drips with the idea that if I did do it, I knew what I was doing, 
And I also knew that God would be merciful to me because of grace. That's not the biblical nor scriptural position of the influence of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because truth is married with that. And truth is searching the heart and telling you justice must prevail. Justice must prevail. Before anything else, justice must prevail. The messaging to the ears of the hearer of this mega preacher is very detrimental and extremely hurtful to the gospel of the Christ. It's not the messaging that describes what grace is doing and certainly not the message that defines how truth that came in him in measure with grace is being exposed in Jesus Christ. Our lives are not to be led by our physical or our emotional needs of the moment because those physical and emotional needs can be absorbed in common things. My friend, there's been a way of escape made from the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. What is it? It's grace. How is it measured in truth? It's grace in the man that went to the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, was resurrected in the plan of salvation, came in a new body, went into the temple and sacrificed, and there sanctified, called us sanctified, became Lord, then became the man in the Godhead bodily. All of that. And then with him, the divine side, the man in the Godhead bodily. From the divine side, justice must prevail. Grace was meant to be a strengthening application. Strengthening, not a weakening application. Not an application that as you knew grace and as you preached grace and as you lived grace and as the Spirit of God taught you and gave you such great ministry and messages for you to flippantly turn that message and say, well, I didn't know any better. I could not avoid my physical self. I couldn't avoid my lust. I couldn't avoid the sin. Because grace somehow, there are two elements that have let you down. The blood, the most powerful element the world has ever known. And grace has served to be non-responsive. Why? Because God made them non-responsive? No, my friend. Because you chose to make them non-responsive because you did not understand that when you did what you did that the truth was going to have to be stood on. And you were going to have to be called into the divine side of God and the truth about what you have done that has searched your heart, how it has come to be, the divine side is going to have to be fair. What was the divine side to be doing? It was to be purifying you into himself because of grace, but willfully, without thought, stepping into the common thing, and then going back and saying God's grace, God's grace is sufficient because where I'm weak, he's strong. Well, now you're telling me that the study of the word of God, 
that the church that you're attending, that the ministry that you're sitting under, or the ministry that you are perpetrating, has done nothing more for you than to allow you to be a weak beggar, has allowed you to be so weak in yourself that your weakness would overwhelm the Holy Spirit. Well, if you're that weak, my friend, then grace, truth, and justice would probably tell me that grace has never done its work in your life. Grace has never spoken. The blood has never delivered. See, my friend, we are not going to fool or fake God. We may fool and fake people. We may fool and fake the television. We may fool and fake those that sit in the seat. But truth came in Jesus Christ, just like grace did. Rest assured, he will not deny truth. Grace is not a safety net, nor has it ever been. It's not the place where you can determine to live outside of the work of the blood. The blood is the most powerful message the world has ever known. In its reality, it destroys sin, the flesh, and the sin nature. It releases the means to escape from the common things. But we want to preach it, and we want to teach it in such an avenue that we can live outside in the unpurified things, and then as we get our fill, jump back in through grace. Truth won't allow it. We don't understand the blood, then we can never correctly apply grace. If we don't understand what the blood has accomplished, we'll never correctly apply grace. If we fail to correctly apply grace, then we do insult to the spirit of grace. Now what is, or better yet, who is the spirit of grace? This is who willful sin of common things that we are told grace just overlooks. This is who we are doing an insult to. Look at here. According to John 1.14, this spirit of grace is Jesus Christ himself. So we know the messaging of grace. Then what exactly is the message of truth? The message of truth is the message of the last of the seven spirits of God. It is the messaging of judgment. Judgment comes by grace in the open window of heaven whereby it results in all of the promises of God being yea and amen. Truth then becomes the result of grace as it destroys the works of the common things. Or truth becomes the result of the outcome that is the interaction with the common things that brings to bear upon us Against the natural, my grace is made perfect. For where you're weak, I'm strong. He, Jesus Christ, is operating grace through you and making you strong in the places you're weak. Now, when we choose 
to folks at grace as a hall past the sin, and oh, if I repent, he'll just forgive me. What we have said is we now have a humanized Jesus Christ because he is as weak as I am. His grace and his truth is as weak as I am. We have served to make him a human just like us. We've served to bring insult to Jesus Christ himself. Not to mention the church, not to mention your family, not to mention those you hold under your circle of influence. Truth becomes the result of grace and when grace applied correctly truth will defeat and destroy all of the common things. Never think that spiritual things are not manifested in the natural. Why is that? Well, listen, my friend. Now listen. Sin is a spiritual thing. It is manifested daily. The remedy to sin in Jesus Christ is grace from his work in the six steps that began with the cross that exposed the six phases of salvation. On his other side, the divine side, there is justice. Do not think that grace and justice are not more powerful than sin. Why? He told Paul so. He said, I, my strength is what's going to make your weakness okay. But I want to tell you something, my friend. We can humanize Jesus Christ just as sure as you're breathing air. If you are choosing to step over grace and to walk into sin, you are making grace weak and truth a lie. Not going to happen. The retribution or the punishment for one sin, my friend, is non-reversible. I've watched it for years. People get married. They marry the wrong man. They know they married the wrong man. They get into abusive relationships and they cry and they whine and they beg God. And God forgives them. But the retribution of those steps into the common thing, the consequences of that, the repercussion of that remains. Look, remember David, the child with Bathsheba? Remember Samson and his sin with Delilah? What about Saul? What about Judas? What about Ananias and Sapphira? What about Alexander the coppersmith that was in the church but then got out and went his own way, started looking at things that made absolutely no sense, that had no relationship to the gospel, and he became an opponent of Paul and hurt Paul. Probably is the reason Paul prayed the prayer in 1 Corinthians 12 to begin with. How did this happen? They all suffered a retribution and a penalty because of sin. Look into our churches and you can see the result of sin even though forgiveness has been sought and granted by God. There is a retribution that comes in the natural for willfully committed sin. What happens when the preacher falls? He loses influence. Sometimes it takes years 
to regain that influence. What happens whenever the husband falls? He loses influence, the wife. Sometimes in the family, when this falling away, God forgives, but the natural side of people remembers. There was a great book written called The Purpose Driven Life, where the, the author of the book said, well, you can forgive. Now, this is a mega preacher, but don't ever forget it. Don't ever let him do it to you again. Well, my friend, what's happening now in the life of that one? They're suffering retribution of some sort. They're suffering a penalty of some sort. So know and be aware that if you don't understand grace and that it is him, Jesus Christ, who is grace, who is strengthening you by his work of grace, if you step over that, you're going to wind up in justice and justice will always prevail. Poor marriages, pregnancies out of wedlock, addictions, oppressions, uh, obsessions, anxieties, and much more. Sometimes sickness and disease that will lead to an early death. Whatever the case, this leads. When you get into the common things and fail to understand that what grace should be doing and how truth is going to marry to it, there is going to be an internal struggle of which you will deal with for a lifetime. Now think about this. We've heard many tell about how they came to suffer from the problem they suffer from. And it became a part of their makeup many years ago. Why? Because no one ever told them that Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead delivered you from that old nature. As a matter of fact, they're still living in the cross, teaching nothing but the cross. My friend, grace and truth, the pattern and plan of the actions of Jesus Christ are greater than that, and the replications of the Holy Spirit are far greater than that. The sin is a certainty that God will forgive it. But the scar of the activity of the interaction with sin will remain. It will remain. It causes problems in the home, problems on the job, problems with the family, problems in communities, problems in our country that we have no means to eradicate in our natural. Is it any wonder that when Titus was talking about the salvation through Jesus Christ to his grace, that he said, follow the teachings and deny all of these earthly things. Be sober. Don't be ungodly. Don't be rebellious. Don't be unrighteous. Follow after Jesus Christ. Our message must always be concerning the extreme power of the blood to accomplish the task for which it was shed. The blood, my friend, still destroys sin. It will destroy the works of the flesh and it will destroy the sin nature. It, if this is understood that the blood accomplished this, then we would less likely be able to listen to our flesh and our sin nature. Any other messaging does not properly and clearly define the power that's in the blood. 
It is the most powerful message the world will ever know due to the source from which it was given. With the messaging of the blood in place, we must now ask, what is it that the blood activates that makes the power of the blood available and makes it so it can be applied to anyone, anywhere who believes on the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. Here we're going to expose the way to escape that Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 10 with regard to how to deal with the common things that tempt man. Grace becomes the creation of God in Jesus Christ that can be applied to any need. It becomes the means of escape. Now the one who believes can use grace to release the power in the blood. What does grace do? And... Look at the scripture, and he said unto me, My, his grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, mine, is made perfect in weakness. Whatever your weakness is, he, not a word, not something just spoken out there that we try to put favor, influence, the way God does things in just, uh, judgment on, not, not, not what we define it to be. We must define grace as it is. It is Jesus Christ. Because he said, look at it, my grace, my strength. The Lord Jesus Christ said to Paul these words concerning the weakness that Paul was seeking him about. He said that my grace is sufficient. The word sufficient in the Greek means that the grace that he has can be used to ward off, to cause to flee. It'll take your weakness and strengthen you so it will ward it off. Grace is the applied strength that wards off any weakness. And I wish I had time tonight to take you to Psalms 91 and show you how grace is applied in the 91st division of the book of Psalms. Notice the extent, however, to which grace can be applied. See the word infirmity? The word here that represents any feebleness of body or mind any malady or any more frailty, any disease or any sickness, the body or the mind is the place that Satan is placing you under attack. These are the only common things to man. Why is that? Because one who is a believer is not operating from the same inner condition, but they are in body and they do have a mind. So it is here that the infirmities or the common things are attacking. So in the supernatural realm, God had to make an application for man to be able to escape these common areas. Huh, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Grace was the declaration of his strength that could be applied to any and all of your weaknesses. So when we relegate grace to the act of saving and saving only, we maintain its efficacy in that area, but we leave all of the rest of the common things that really are creating the struggle, the trouble, and the turmoil, and that are attempting to destroy our spirit we leave them to go unchecked because we're not applying grace across the spectrum. He's full of it, my friends. 
left unchecked, we can clearly identify how the common things affect our lives. The infirmities that make us unwell are everywhere. When we engage, we engage with the world and with sin and the infirmities of this world and there are dire consequences. Our mind and our body are broken down by the interaction with these infirmities. Paul goes on to the next verse to include other things that attack the mind and body. He said reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distress are all so common things that can attack the mind and the body of a believer. And they're all breaking you down. But there is a means to do something about it and it is the application of his strength Grace from him into your weakness. Father, I thank you for the word of God. My time is up. I pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear so that we can stop living in common things, that we can stop looking to common things as if common things of the moment are going to make us happy. Lord, I pray that you will help us to gird up our minds and be strong. I pray in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we will find you and you, by the grace that's in you, will strengthen us so that we can live this life as more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. We give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen and amen. My friend, the message of grace, it's real. If we understand it, use it effectively and appropriately, we're going to find him and he's going to make us strong. Well, my Facebook family, God bless you. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we'll be teaching on the man in the Godhead bodily. You don't want to miss it. God bless you until we speak again. Facebook friends, God bless you. Find him as Lord. There you will find him as the one who is operating the covenant where every knee bows and every tongue confess. Find him as the man in the Godhead bodily. There you're going to find him speaking to you and showing you great and mighty things which are to come. May God richly bless you as my prayer until we speak again.